Hi everyone! I am not doing the announcements today. I'm actually preaching um, and I always get super nervous about this. The announcements, I think I got them packed and recorded in my brain. <laughs> so it always sounds very um, pre-recorded, which is what it is. But today this is a preaching, so it'll be very different. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. My name is Carla um, and uh, yeah, I was giving this opportunity to preach and today, especially I want to say first and foremost, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Uh, my sermon has nothing to do with motherhood, so I'm really sorry about that. I am not experienced enough to be able to talk about that. I'm only have a year-old little girl. So, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, we never forget, trust me. And now that I know what it feels like, I'll never forget. So, um, anyway, I wanted to share with you today um, a verse that was shared with me as, a, as an encouragement. And I'm, just to give you a little bit of background of why this <laughs> verse was given. Um, and I think at every sermon, I am very frank uh, where I am in my state spiritually or how I got to this process to be able to share this with you. And by no way, shape or form, am I um, have overcome what I'm about to talk to you about, <laughs> but I'm definitely in the process. And I really want to use this as a word of encouragement to you and to myself as I speak and preach. Um, so shortly ago, so maybe maybe a month ago or so, I had been experiencing a, a season of, I best word to use is a season of negativity. Um, everything I looked at was just tainted by this gray cloud. Um, lo and behold though, I thought it was just a season of life that I was walking and then I shared it with my husband and he said that I've always kind of been like this. So, <laughs> but let's erase that part. Let's pretend it was just this season. Um, so everything I was looking at or walking through or a person that I was with, even simple as going to a supermarket or, or just doing something simple was just tainted by gray. There was always something negative to say, something that I didn't like about it. Um, nothing made me happy. Uh, just to give you an example, my cousins were coming from Argentina to visit, which I haven't seen in maybe five years. Um, I was not hosting them. My brother was hosting them. <laughs> But already, right from before they even got here, I thought this is going to be such a burden. Now we're going to have to take them to the city, host like dinner parties for them, and make sure that they're taken care of and driven here and there, wherever they want to go. And yes, I know some of you are thinking, yes, that is daunting and that is tiresome. But at the same time, I really didn't feel like that was the way I should be feeling, especially to a family member and especially to someone that doesn't know Christ. Like that is not the. Um, the testimony that I want to be giving. I want to have this opportunity to love on them and, and make them feel comfortable here. But my mind and my feeling really went as far as going, if I do this for them, if I really go out of my way for them, what am I going to get in return? Oops, sorry, I touched my mic there. Um, that's how much um, pessimism and negativity I was living in at this season and, and still currently working through that actually. Um, it even went as far as, as tainting my my little girl's first birthday party. Everything was just an annoyance or a problem. Anything from planning the music, the food, the guest list. Um, a moment in my life where I should be enjoying and happy to share with everybody was super um, tainted. I know I keep using that same word, but that's the only thing that I can envision is everything in my life tainted by a shadow of gray. I knew that God didn't want me to live like this. Um, I also could say that this may have been postpartum depression, even though it's been a year or just a season in my life um, that I've been experiencing this. But as, <laughs> as Lewis, my husband, really wanted to remind me is that this was not something new. It's just more enhanced at this moment in my life, but it was not something new. 
So I have the privilege of working in a Christian organization with Kelvin, actually, the person that preached last week. Um, and I was, we have a Monday morning prayer in which we share things that we need prayer for. And these people barely know me, but I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity to just share what's really going on in my heart. And although outside I may have been coming to work as a happy person and willing to work and do all these things, really inside I wasn't feeling that way at all. So I share with them what was going through um, my mind and my heart. And Kelvin um, got a word for me through this passage that I'm going to share with you today. And that's what I've been working through. And I think God so clearly wanted to speak to me and I want to speak to you as well. Um, about what he desires in our life. And the passage that we'll be focusing today is Romans 15, 13. And let's open up in my trusty Bible right here. Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's read it again, actually, because that's a little, a lot. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Reading that verse really reminded me that the life that I was walking in, or that I'm, I'm, I'm walking in right now and currently processing, is not the life that God wants me to live. God wants you and me to live in a life full of His joy and peace. Not peace and joy that's... Um, anchored on things of this world and circumstantial things of, of our earth that are changing, but he wants us to anchor our joy and our, uh, and our peace on his abounding hope that only he can provide. So that's what we're going to be working in today. Uh, it seems a little scary to just base a whole sermon on one verse, but that's what we're going to work on today. So I'm going to map out a little bit what we're going to be doing. First, I'm going to give you a little introduction of Romans. So, but before I get to that, let me let you know, let me let you know what we're going to do. So we're going to take this verse and we're going to split it up into four pieces. So we truly understand what this verse means. The reason why I feel really strongly about doing this is I think a lot of us, when we read verses like this, in which we have concepts as hope, love, joy, peace, um, they're really terms that are kind of out there. We understand them, uh, and I think we understand them more what they mean wordly, and sometimes we want to attach them to God, but we truly don't understand what they mean or what God intends them to mean in our lives. So that's why I felt really strongly about uh, breaking it up into these four pieces and really understanding what Paul, essentially God, is encouraging us with, us, uh, with this verse today. So have that in the back of your mind as we're going through the sermon. We're going to be working through understanding this verse piece by piece. We're going to be using chapter 15 prior to this verse, a few verses to um, strengthen and fortify what this verse says. So don't be, uh, don't be alarmed if I'm going backwards instead of going in other scriptures, okay? But that's what we're going to be doing today. Before we start doing that, though, I'm going to give you a little background of what was going on in Rome at the time. Uh, when I read a scripture, I really try to understand who it was written to, who it was written by, and maybe why it was written to. It may not always be clear, but at least to have that in the back of your mind to help us understand the scripture and more clearly apply it to our lives today. So at the time, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church. So basically the church that's in Rome. That doesn't necessarily mean it was one location church, like the letter was written to city life, but the church as a whole, the believers that lived in Rome at the time. So actually, something that I found out during the study is that Paul didn't plant this church. He, he didn't have a, a straight connection with this church. He was planning on visiting them, and he was really interested in how they were doing 
how their belief, um, where, where their beliefs were um, anchored in, how they were doing doctrine, doctor, doctrinally. Sorry, my Spanish sometimes gets in there and words like that get all jumbled up. But there we go. <laughs> how they were doing doctrinally and how they were doing among themselves in this church. Why was that important? Rome, let's envision Rome as being a, a city, not so big, but with a ton of people. Let's envision New York City. The emperor lives there. There's a ruling class there, people that are rich, people that have power. But there's also the lower class and everybody in between. Everybody try to make a name for themselves. Everybody trying to make, make it financially, uh, whether you were a merchant or a, um, a trader of some sort, or whether you were working in that ruling class, you had a place, you had a, a space, or you could have been the poorest of the poor. Um, that was what was living now at the time in Rome. So people, and to make it most importantly, there were people of Jewish background and there were Gentiles like you and me. Um, and all of these people we may assume, we could assume that were part of the church at the time. So Paul, being wise through the Holy Spirit, knew that having people from different walks of life, different economic and religious backgrounds, sharing one thing as a church, may have caused some sort of friction and problems as they were trying to learn how to do church, learn how to love one another, and learn how to live as Christ intended us to live. So this letter was so important and so clear because it really addresses a lot of things that me and you should know as believers. It addresses the gospel, it addresses um, the message that God has saved us through Christ alone, by faith, through grace. Um, it addresses the fact that we are sinners, and it addresses the fact of what it means to be walking as a believer. What kind of fruit should we be given? And how to address one another. So right before we um, land in this verse, basically this is the last verse before he says goodbye and he explains to them what the, his plans are for his missionary route. This is where he ends the letter, basically. Um, so right before ending it here, he's giving, he's giving a detailed explanation of how we should address one another as believers or address one another as people, how to love one another, um, how to address everybody's differences. Um, so he's really going into relationships. So that's why I thought it was really important, but we'll get to that at the end um, as to why that's important for you and me. But here is where he lands the boat, let's just say. <laughs> Um, let's repeat it. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Okay, so brace yourselves. Now we're going to go into the verse and we're going to break it up. So walk with me here. <laughs> the first portion that we're going to take a look at is may the God of hope fill. I put Phil in there because he's doing something. So we, we're trying to understand who he is, why is he called the God of hope, and why he's the only one capable of filling us, okay? So that's the first portion of verse 13. May the God of hope fill you. So before we go, dive into here, let's try to understand. How do we understand God? How do we understand who he is? Let's read a little earlier in the chapter, chapter 15, verses 4. So Paul is reminding us here before he goes into that verse. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Guys, God has given us the Bible, his scriptures, his prophecies, his promises to remind us and let us know who he is. He is the God of hope because A, his word 
is a clear proclamation of his promises coming true. Um, I liked what this commentary person, <laughs> the commentary author said, Matthew Henry, I know you've probably heard of him, but he's just the person to me that I always read. Um, he put it this way, God is the author and the object of our hope. He not only wrote these scriptures and wrote what we should believe in and, and wrote this, this um, foundation for us to know who he is as the God of hope, but he is also the object of that hope. So that's why he can carry this big name, because he not only let us know that he was going to provide a savior, he provided the savior, Jesus Christ. He not only has these promises and instructions for us because he knows that are good, he makes that good into our lives. He brings that good and, 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 and um, fulfills the promises that he claims in the scriptures. The way I like to think about it is this. I know sometimes reading the Bible might be um, hefty. We might not understand it. But they are stories, they are testimonies of other people that have been walking with God, that have been walking with Christ. And through them we are reminded of how good He is, and how faithful He is, and why we should trust Him, and why He carries that name as the God of hope. Um, I don't know about you, but ever, every time I'm either at a wedding, or I hear a birthing story, mom's out there, or somebody's uh, walking through their baby first steps, or why not, every time I hear other people's stories, that kind of have a relation to me, I think back of past situations in which I've walked those things. How it was when I got married, or when I gave birth, or now walking with Luca on her first year of life. Um, and those stories kind of make us reminisce of our, our own. So how beautiful is it, or I know that you feel this way when we hear testimonies of other believers talking to others about Christ or other believers getting to witness God's miracles or God's promises coming through in their lives. And that allows us to think, wow, I remember a time when God did that for me. So the Bible and his scriptures, as Paul was saying in verse 4, are used to encourage us and build our endurance because they remind us of who God is and how God acted in other people's lives. And therefore, me and you can remember how God will act in our life or has acted in our lives in the past. So that's why we can anchor ourselves in these truths and understand who God is that way. So next time you're shy or you don't want to share a certain story about how had God worked in your life or how Jesus has come through and really changed your life, don't hold back. They could be used as an encouragement to somebody else that needs to hear who this God is and why he's the only one capable of filling us with what we're next going to be look at, joy and peace. So that's part one guys. Here we go. Move on to part two. Since God is the source of all hope, since God is the creator of all things in this earth, he is the only one capable of filling us with true joy and true peace. I know earth nowadays, earth, I don't know what I call it like that. I know this world gives us a lot of different um, ways of experiencing joy. I'm going to put in quotations and peace. Um, I think the fact that we live in an area in North Jersey, uh, joy and peace may seem a little far away. That's not the way that we really want to live. We want happiness, right? But we want it now. We want it in the next best thing. We're never actually happy with what we have. I was talking to my dad about it and he kind of explained it this way. Um, especially in this area, we want to obtain things. We want a bigger house. We want the next best thing. But you're not walking, once you get it, you're not walking around all day like, wow, look at my new pretty house. I'm happy with it. Every day? No, I don't think so. Maybe you may do that for the first month or the first year because you're building it up and making it look the way you want it to look. But the next season coming around, you're no longer happy with that. You want the next thing. And that's how this culture, our society nowadays, 
wants us to move to the next thing really fast. So that joy and that peace that we feel with the things of the earth, with the circumstances that we have here is fleeting. It's changing. So God wants us to be filled with his joy and his peace because that one's long lasting. To further understand what joy and peace mean, I want to provide you two definitions. First, let's look at joy. The way that um, a Bible dictionary explained it to me, and I really love this description of the joy that God wants to experience, that God wants us to experience, is gladness because of his favor. Favor, sorry. Gladness because of his favor. This means that we're walking through life experiencing joy because we are in his favor. We're in his hand. That's the way I can imagine it. Uh, I can't imagine it. We're in his hand or under his protection. No matter what this earth um, gives us, and I'm sorry guys, that's the way I'm going to refer to this world now. <laughs> earth. Um, I studied environmental studies, so that's, that's how I think. Um, no matter what this world give us, it gives us, it's changing uh, circumstances that we may be living in. God wants to experience the joy that we have in him because we're in his favor. If you're his son or daughter, if you consider him your savior, Jesus your savior, you are in his favor. Maybe the circumstances may not look the way you want them to look, but the joy that we're experiencing in him will not change because he doesn't change because he provides you with that joy. Let's move on to peace. This one I have to actually read from my phone because this is a long definition, but here we go. Um, peace, wholeness, harmony, but this is a better definition. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. Let me read that again, actually. A <laughs> tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. It's really hard to say that we live in a place where we could be peaceful. We could be walking in peace. Um, as you probably can tell, and I'm trying to slow down my uh, velocity in my voice right now, I really like to talk fast. And that's how I want to live life, honestly. I like to do things fast. I like to get things done. And if you're not doing it fast, that does not bring me peace at all. And unfortunately, Lewis has to... Um, live with that, but I'm working on it as this verse is really encouraging me to do so. Um, and I'm sure there's some of you out there. And if you have peace living in the New Jersey, New York area, I commend you, please talk to me. I don't know how you do it because everything breaks my peace in this earth, in this, in this earth. Oh Lord, in New Jersey, I'm walking, um, in the supermarket. If you're not moving fast enough, move to the other side. I'm driving. There's lanes. Guys, this is a PSA, by the way, I want to take this, um, time to do this. The middle lane on the speed limit, the right lane lower, the, the left lane higher, okay? There's no mixing, but everybody likes to mix here because everybody wants to get to the next thing fast. And that's how life here in the tri-state area is. It's not peaceful, but God doesn't want us to live that way. Although we may think we need to live that way because everybody else is living that way. Everybody else has this, uh, this, uh, this jacket of anxiety that they carry everywhere because they want things done fast and if they don't have it then they won't be at peace god doesn't want us to live that way i know another thing that has um, in the past really broken the peace that i have or that I should be experiencing is maybe when things don't go my way at my job or in relationships people don't meet the expectations that i uh, think that they should meet and most importantly, I think this is the one that has in the past really shaken the peace and the joy that I have um, walking in Christ is maybe um, the way I've, I've done ministry with other people. Th 
things at church that have not made me happy or not the way that I should I envision church going or I envision certain ministries and certain people serving. And unfortunately, I'm sorry I have to bring that up, but that is something that has really um, gnawed at my heart in the past because it has really robbed me of the joy and peace that it is to live and walk with Christ. So living in this tranquil state, assured of my salvation and knowing um, and fearing nothing that comes from God means that I'm going to walk, even though the circumstances may not look the way I want them to look, I'm going to walk knowing that God has it in his control. I know you heard this before. I know these are words that we like to repeat to one another and encourage to one another, but do you really understand what that means? That means that I'm not shaken. My foundation is not shaken when things don't go the way I want them to go. I'm still going to walk with this foundation of joy and this foundation of peace even though things don't look the way I want them to look. Why? Because I know that God has it in his hands and he is going to bring good out of the situation, even though it might not seem like it is even possible at the time. So when I'm encouraged, when I was encouraged with this scripture um, by Kelvin, this is something that I really uh, zoned into because I was not, and I'm currently dealing with sometimes not walking with joy and peace because things don't look the way I want them to look. I could find a billion things in my life that I'm not happy with, but happy is not what God wants us to experience because happy comes and goes. He wants us to experience the joy that we have because we're in his favor and the peace that we have because we're saved and he is not a God to be feared. He has it under control. So that's part two. So because he is a God of hope that can fill us with joy and peace, there's something that we can participate in. So again, Pedro made it really clear to me to make sure that this is clear. Next portion of the verse is in believing. The NIV says, as you trust in him. So may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing or as you trust in him. So what does this mean for you and me? It means that there's a a piece of participation in order to be able to fill with joy and peace. If you call yourself saved, if you know that you're saved, you are saved by grace through faith. So I'm not saying, um, as Pedro said, it doesn't mean that if you believe harder or if you believe stronger or better that you're going to be filled with these things uh, more than the other person. No, it just means that there's a, um, a, a believing aspect, an action aspect in order to be able to experience these things at its fullest. So I could say I believe in God and my life could look nothing as God intended my life to be. But let's look at what believing means in this context. It means that A, I put my trust in God, and B, I am devoted to Him. <laughs> devoted to Him. I think that's strong, uh, strong. That word is very, very strong. That I'm, I was even scared to even tell you that it meant fully devoted to God because it means that you can't be devoted to something else. Um, so that means that He's going to be up here and everything else is going to be down here. And that's really scary for us. Um, because especially in the world that we live in here in New Jersey, New York area, there's a lot of things to devote ourselves to. There's things to devote, there's, there's a job, there's a career, there's property that we want to obtain, there's money that we want to obtain, there's a, a family that we want to have or that we envision we should have, there are relationships that we want to uh, have and cater to. But when God calls us to believe in Him, in order to experience full joy and full peace, it means that we need to devote ourselves to Him. That means that above your job, 
above the status that you want to get, above the relationships that you want to maintain, his relationship is the most important. So how does that look like to you? The question I'd like to pose is, am I really believing in Jesus as my savior and that he is above all those things? Am I really devoting my life to him? Or is he just a portion? Is he just a, a compartment that I get to tap into every now and then, or, or I get to claim that I believe in him? Um, but I think one of the ways that we could really analyze ourselves um, is by under, am I really experiencing his joy and peace? And if I'm not really experiencing his joy and peace, then am I really devoted to him? And that is a question that I like to pose out there. And that's the question that I'm trying to answer. Not every day, I'm gonna admit, but every day I want to be able to answer. Am I experiencing his joy and peace? And if not, am I really devoted to him as my Lord? So that's our part in the verse. That's our part is our responsibility here is to believe in him, to trust who he is and to trust that he is going to be able to fill us with these things. And therefore we should devote himself to his things in order to experience full joy and peace. So lastly, we're moving into the last portion of the verse. Let's read it together. Let's read the whole thing to remind us what we're talking about. <laughs> May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Last portion that we're going to focus. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The one thing that I want to first highlight here is that here Paul is reminding us that for us to experience this abounding hope is not going to be in our power. As we have already said, God is the only one that can fill us with these true um, everlasting things is his true joy and his true peace. So therefore, in order to experience abounding hope, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that we can feel that hope. And what's the difference between the hope that the Holy Spirit provides versus the hope that we experience here on earth? It's not a hope of like, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow, or I hope it, this doesn't happen in my life. It's a hope that is, is described as being an expectation of truth, an expectation and confirmation that something's gonna happen. So this hope that we have through the Holy Spirit is an assurance that we carry all the time that God is who he says he is, that God has promised us eternal salvation, and that God is working things on this life for us for our own good under his will. So that's the hope that God wants us to experience. That's the hope that we have as we're walking and being filled with joy and peace. Um, the word abounding is really important here. Um, it's, it's, it's not just a feeling in there, a feeling of hope that's hidden underneath everything else. No, it has to be abounding. It has to be overfilling us. It's something that, that the people around us are able to tell. And that's something that for me um, was really hard to understand because or really hard to allow to happen. Um, I don't know if you know this, and you probably don't, but my family is from Argentina, and Argentines have this stereotype of being um, just as I was being, very pessimistic. You talk to them, and they want to complain about anything under the sun, uh, either the weather or the money they're making or they're not making. And I really, and I know stereotypes, it's just not a good thing nowadays. I understand that, guys. And I'm not telling you that every Argentine is like this. Um, but I know I am. <laughs> I know my dad is. Um, and it, it was really interesting uh, to see myself really obtain, like really grasp onto this identity that, um, 
we have in the back of our minds is stereotype uh, and not because i knew that that's why argentines walk but that's because that's that's what i was surrounding myself and that's like uh, a practice that was really common in my house and something that i've adopted um and yes i i, I wanted to mask this um pessimism and negativity like I was talking about earlier as being realistic or um, really understanding my circumstances and nothing's really great or worthy enough so let me just tell you really how I feel about it and um, that nothing is great in this world so I'm gonna claim it and proclaim it and that's how I've lived my life and that's not abounding in hope that's really abounding in my uh, really realist thoughts and deepest um, views on the world and that's now the that's not the way Jesus wants me to view the world yes the world is not the prettiest place but the world is a place that God has under his wing and he knows what's gonna happen to it and therefore my heart needs to be filled with that hope that God has the control of all the circumstances in my life uh, like I was telling you before, even though the circumstances are changing, circumstances are changing, they may not look the way that I want them to look, he is under control. And therefore that hope is the hope and expectation and assurance of what he is doing in my life. And that's what he wants us to walk in. That's what he wants us to be abounding in, meaning overflowing. It, it's so um, sweet and refreshing to meet somebody that is not complaining about their circumstances. Because I know I'm not refreshing sometimes. I know I'm not a, a, a glass of lemon water with a lot of ice on a hot summer day. That's not me. Um, but I think that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be able to overflow with this hope and be able to share our life and our testimony with others and bring them an outlook of life that the world doesn't give them. Um, and that's something that I really want to highlight here and I really want to remind us of. Yes, God wants to fill us with joy and peace because he wants us to walk in abounding hope in him because it's good for us. Because he knows that that life is better for us than living by what the world gives us. Because the world is deteriorating, it's not giving us the things of him. It's giving us the things of the world which are not good. So he knows that he wants us to walk in joy, in peace, in hope, because those things are good for us. But most importantly, those things are good for us so we can share them with others. So we can be overflowing with this hope that he provides us so we can share with others who he is. I don't know how are you are, but I know when I find something good, either like I found a good sale, or I found some good item at TJ Maxx, or I found a good recipe, I wanna share it with everybody. And I'll tell you even though you don't ask me. I'm gonna share it with you about how good it is, and I'm not gonna stop until you actually try it. But I don't normally do that with the way that God has been to me, and how, how precious and how um, assuring he, and loving he has been to me. And that's how he wants us to live. He wants us to be so full of joy and full of hoping him that we can't wait but share it with others. Uh, if your mom brought you here or is listening to the sermon with you because she wanted you to be in church with him, with her for Mother's Day, you're here because she feels God's joy and peace and hope so much that she wants you to experience that as well. Or if you're a mom here with your child listening to his or her church, he has brought you here because there's something about God that he doesn't find in the world. And he wants or she wants you to experience that as well. And that's ultimately what God has called us to do. He calls us to share the joy, the peace, the hope 
that he has provided through his son Jesus Christ on the cross. On the cross. Recently, we, we went through Easter and we know that he has resurrected. We know that he has provided eternal life for us with him. And on this earth, he is taking care of us. And if you are not walking with him, that this is why you're here. God wants you to walk in those things. He wants you to walk a life that is full of joy, full of peace, and overfilled with hope so you can share it with others. So don't be afraid. Share your circumstances with others, but share, most importantly, your testimony that you have in God as he is able to um, bring you those things, bring you joy, bring you peace, bring you hope amidst your circumstances. And allow that to um, change the way you look at things, change the way you relate with people, change the way you have expectations of, of the things of this world. And I assure you that when you wholeheartedly um, devote yourself to God, you will experience these things to the fullest. And life will never be the same. Um, let me encourage you one more time with this verse as I... Um, I just can't get it out of my mind. Obviously, I'm preaching on it, but I really want to reclaim it over us. Uh, 15.13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thank you again uh, for giving this opportunity. And don't forget, encourage me. Let me know your testimony as you're walking with Christ. And if you're not, don't be afraid. He wants to live like this too.